Hello, everyone. Welcome to Dating Over 30 Sucks. We have libations and conversations about situations. I am here with my latest guest, Charles. How are you doing, Charles? I'm good. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Awesome. I appreciate the short, the short intro. <laughs> I appreciate the short invitation. I know. Literally, we were talking today, and I just said, hey, come over. You have nothing to do. <laughs> we're going to record this podcast. I got to get through season two. Just come over. And you were like, sure. Yeah. She was like, if you ever want to do it. And I was like, I just told you I want to do it. She was like, well, let's do it today. I was like, today? Right. <laughs> I was like, did you need prep? Like preparation? To, to... I think I'm as ready as I'm, I can be. That you're, That's the beautiful thing about this podcast is you're only going to be as ready as you're going to be. Like you can't prepare for this because this thing can go off the rails. <laughs> It can go off the rails. What have I gotten myself into? It doesn't matter. We're here. So (laughs) you're stuck here. (laughs) Now people are going to think that I hope people get their will to do this podcast. Help me. (laughs) I'm winking. You can't see it, but I'm winking. (laughs) Wink, wink, help. But yes. So Charles, look, the first question I love to ask all my guests is, do you remember how we met? Not really. Um, I feel like you were a orientation leader at our school. And so when we were going for orientation. Some orientation? Uh-huh. Nope. No. Well, you happened to be on campus that summer. What was that? Summer Summer, 07? Yeah, summer of 07. Did I do summer school that year? I don't even know if I met you. Yeah, because I'm like, "Mm -mm." No, I don't no, think that's not it. I have no idea how we met. We, I know. We met yesterday. We oh. met. So I met Charles on the street. <laughs> he was singing a little ditty, and I thought, hey, that's a cool guy. I need to get to know him. She started swaying and finger popping, and I was like, you. I did. I was. No, I, it's funny because as I even asked the question, I thought to myself, I can't technically tell you no or yes because I actually, too, don't remember. I remember the first time we had, like, a conversation. When was that? <laughs> so the first time I remember is having, like, a full-blown conversation. I was like, I like this young man. Oh. Okay, no, I'm lying. I think that was somebody else. Oh, dang. <laughs> no, maybe it was you. Did you used Yo. to wear, like, a messenger bag? No, never wore that. Okay, well, then never mind. No, I don't know. I feel like we just know each other. Like the moment you learn happy birthday. Nobody knows when they learned it. They no. Just, they just know it. I think I think we might have, you might be the one guest where I cannot pin down how we, how we actually met. Obviously we met on, in college. We right. met on campus, but I can't, I can't pin down the specifics. Like I remember always seeing you around, but uh-huh. I don't remember when we actually spoke. Yeah. I just remember like one day you we used just to wear bow ties. knew each other. Yeah. I was all about the sweaters and bow ties. You listen, that could have been the out. Al- if you had an album, it should be called <laughs> your debut album should be called sweaters, sweaters and, and bow ties. ties. <laughs> like you remember like in Doug when he had the same outfit in his closet. Yes. <laughs> it was just different sweaters, and <laughs> different, different bow ties. Bow ties. I, it, it's so funny. Look, that'll bring us into what we're talking about. But like 
that was that's one of my impressions of you. But you've always been so cool, like, and I think because we both are talkers and we're both very charismatic. Yes. I think it just works. Our friendship works. So look, we'll jump right into it. <laughs> so look, first question, first official question. Official, yes. Why do you think dating over thirty sucks? Oh, I don't. Why am I here? I know. You don't think it sucks? I don't think I know it why you sucks. Don't. I, have a, I have a feeling of why I think you don't think it sucks. But oh. why do you not think it sucks? For one, I think it sucks for me because I'm not really looking for anything. And um, But as a man, I can't honestly say there's a shortage of good women. Mm. They're there. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want them. <laughs> wow. Oh, How dare you? I know. What's How wrong with dare me? you withhold? What's wrong with me? All of Your this. Amazingness. All of this. How dare you withhold it? Oh, women from far and wide just wish. And just, I'm just like, I mean, how dare no. you? You're like, I'm single and I'm gorgeous. Go away, shrews. Like <laughs> <laughs> is that is that your impression of me? That, yes. That's how I feel you're, you're treated. Okay, so. Okay, go ahead. Um, um, yeah, I think like, you know, I'm divorced. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really feel like I'm in a place of just healing and getting to know myself better. And so most men after divorce, they don't ever want to get married again, you know. But uh, because I have been married, I do view things as like married and not, you know. Okay. And so knowing that that's not the goal for me anymore, dating has been a lot more freeing because it's not as weighted. You oh. Know? So if I don't like somebody, I'm like, well, we had a good date. Bye. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and that's and it's so freeing to take that expectation off, you know. But dealing with women who are older, you know, a lot of them are parents already. Mm-hmm. As am I. Yeah. <laughs> like a lot of people are really serious. So even when you tell them I'm not looking for anything serious, because I come off a certain way, they're like, Oh, if I if I wait long enough, <laughs> yeah, he'll come around. You know, or he'll, I'm a, he'll fucking change his mind. Yeah, change or, it. I'm amazing enough that I can change him. And I'm like, there's no shortage of amazing women. You're not the first amazing woman I met. Like, <laughs> like no, <Woo. laughs> like no shade to all the amazing women. There's all the shade. <laughs> but I'm just saying, all smoke. Today. <laughs> all smoke. Okay. There's no shortage, and I attract amazing women. And so it's like, you're not really going to show me something I've never seen before. It's really a me thing. You can't out good my trauma, you know? Ooh, That's a bar. Now. Tweet that. That's a bar. <laughs> Listen, gems, just gems. Like, bring, 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 just gems. Okay. Who, who, who's your audience? Is it women? You can't out good their trauma, ladies. Ooh, um. <laughs> I, you know, look, my audience is everybody. One thing I think is very interesting is that. I mean, damn, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little insulted. (laughs) I'm low-key like, damn, because I get the appeal Mm -hmm. because you are a really good guy. Like, I'll be honest, ladies, like, I love Charles. This is like, this is literally my my really good friend. We can talk forever. But, like, you really are just a genuinely good guy. She wants me. You are listen, but you're one. You're if a girl, if one of my girlfriends was like, "Yo, like I saw your friend Charles, like he was cute. You know, he was, you know, he sing. 
you know, he sing. You know, he got a little. He be doing a little do 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 do. You know, is he good? Like, you know, should I holler at him? I'd be like, absolutely. Wow. Like, I wouldn't, in no way, shape, or form, would I ever hesitate if someone asked me about you. I'd be like, absolutely. Like, Charles is a good dude. He's going to treat you right. Like, absolutely. Like, go ask. Like, if you're going to shoot your shot, shoot it. But it is wild that you are not looking for you know that thing right like you're looking for like something where it's like this could lead to marriage right whereas a lot of women our age are they're like if he a good man he got good sperm left in him let me go ahead and bag him good sperm i'm serious because if you think about it women of of, in our 30s yeah especially women in our 30s who are established like okay i got a good job i done got me a house okay uh i'm good like if i find a good man look let them shoot the club up. Like, they're ready. So, <laughs> <you> wow. <say>, what? <laughs> but, like, they are. Because they're like, if he's a good guy and, and I'm good and we're both in good spaces, I'm cool with having kids because they're ready. Like, we're a lot of us are, like, primed and ready. Like, right. the oven has been preheated. We are ready to put the bun in. So it's very interesting that you were like, yeah, I'm good on that. Like, you're you're really good on anything, like, super serious. Like, good on it <laughs> wow and i mean that's not fair here's the thing <laughs> when i was married i will say that and i'm sure everybody who's married has has had this thought i was like yo this ain't for everybody <laughs> mm. you know because it, it was just so much of give and take and there's so much of compromise and so much you know you have you have to look at yourself through a lens that you never looked at it before because now you have a spouse that knows you, mm-hmm. that can tell you stuff that you you can't see, <laughs> you know? <laughs> see, I don't need that. I don't yeah. need nobody telling me about myself. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to tell you about yourself. Please don't. <laughs> I never so, did honesty box on Facebook. I don't want anybody <laughs> to tell me about box. myself. But, uh, you know, just having that piece and living through that, it was just kind of like, this ain't for the week. This ain't for everybody. But for some reason, everybody wants this. You know, like mm. media and everything done conditioned us that this is a birthright. If I was born, then clearly I'm going to get married and make more people. Like, yeah, <laughs> but it's not for everybody. And I think that's what makes it all the more special. The fact that it's not it's not a right for you, you know. Mm. And so when I joined the other class of the singles, I was like, yeah. I like this group. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> So actually, can we let's I want to chop. I want to like dive into that a little bit because you are a very upstanding Christian brother. Like that's, you, you that's are what they say. very you're very southern and, and you have those. Um, what do they say? Like, you know, those southern those um, values, qualities. Yeah. Qualities, values. Was that a part of why you felt that was what it was like? I'm dating to get married and have kids and, you know, live this very typical or American Christian value type of life. Was that most definitely like having premarital sex made me feel very guilty, you know? Mm. So there was no freedom in that. Um, And so even in college, even in college, it was just like, Oh, I shouldn't have did that. Oh, you know? And so having that and knowing, you know, what sex was designed for, you know, you sit there and you're just like, man, you know, people like me need to wait, till marriage you know or Mm. 
you know, as far as having the wife and the kid in the house, that's what I grew up with. That was the picture I saw mommy and daddy, yeah. you know, so I didn't understand, you know, being single. I didn't grow up around a lot of single people. And so I didn't oh. even know what that in-between time looked like, <laughs> you know, though I got married at 28, you know. Which, oh, I thought you got married younger than that. No, no. So oh, I was okay. I was already in my career, you yeah. know, already was semi-established. And so <laughs> semi-established. <laughs> I was like two jobs away from where I needed to be. <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I didn't understand how unestablished I was until it came to pay for a wedding and, and you know, take care of a family. But Oh, man. <laughs> When I was making the decision, I was like, you know, marriage is the logical next step here. And oh. I didn't, it didn't dawn on me like, okay, I met this woman who I love and I was uh, willing to spend time with her, you know? <laughs> oh my God. I'm real antisocial. I don't like. You're like, I met her. <laughs> I guess I was down to hang out with she, her from time. She cool or whatever, you know? <laughs> cool or whatever. Don't be trying to take our word. <laughs> or whatever but oh um gosh. i was like i don't want to lose her so let me go ahead and propose you know but i never it never dawned on me that i'm not ready to be a husband yet like i knew it once i was she would be the one but yeah as far as like being mature enough to handle like my insecurities and stuff like that i wasn't ready like to really take on you know because i ain't gonna slander my ex-wife on this podcast yeah, i'm gonna be no, the bigger no. person she's gonna run into this and hear all these words yeah. and feel terrible anyway no, uh, i don't think you're saying anything that would be you know slanderous or anything you're talking about yourself like mm -hmm. you said you 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 grew up in a space where that was logically what you did right and you also found someone like you said that you knew you wanted to spend the rest of your life with it just at the time, you were like, well, okay, let's do it. So right. I don't think it's any in any way a slight um, to your to your wife. I, oh, I'm sorry, your ex-wife. It, it, it's just the reality of, like, you knew this. She was a great person. Like you said, you enjoyed You wanted to spend time with her. As, anti, as you said, antisocial, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think what's very interesting is you're right. When you see those family dynamics and that's the assumption because I think it's so funny because we're the opposite like I grew up in a single parent household mm -hmm. and it was just my mom and even with my grandmother my grandfather passed um you know my mom was really young so I never got to meet my grandfather and so I have literally two generations of seeing strong black women raise households and raise kids raise upstanding kids who you know go to school and do all these great things and so I, I think that's been my barrier when it comes to like dating and, and being in relationships because I truly don't believe I need anyone. Wow. I don't. So my thing has always been anyone I date, anyone I'm with, it is because I want to be with you. I want you in my space, right. but I don't need you in my space ever. And even if I did have a kid, I would never need you because I saw my mom raise two kids on her own for the most part. So it, it's very interesting the 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 contrast and how we yeah. both were raised because some of the stuff you're saying I'm like nah I, I've never felt <laughs> you that. can't yeah like, I, get that. I ain't feel guilt fucking in college like, so, <laughs> like, so like <laughs> so would you say because I, I don't want to make it a race thing but I I've noticed that a lot of my white counterparts you know especially at my job mm -hmm. um, they get married early 
Mm, yeah. And they yeah. St- and they, you know, a lot of them get divorced, but then they hop right back into it. So do you oh, think absolutely. because like the strong black woman trope isn't yes. as strong in the other yes. community that they're more codependent on each other? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> yes, all of the, I, I, I'm not trying to cut you off, but yes, like all of those things. Because even some of my white friends that I went to like elementary, middle school with and stuff like that, they were married before 25. Many of them were married before 25. Whether they're divorced, whether they got divorced or not, or aren't with their their child's parent, most of them are remarried. Like yeah. they'll they be on marriage number two. They don't, I have noticed that they don't do the single white woman. Like there's no, no. strong single white woman. Like <laughs> that is not a thing. It's not, yeah, it's not a thing of being a strong single white woman or a strong single white mother. Like or a strong single white dad, like they, I think even with in the white community, from what we see, right, from a black lens, even if it's a dad who like is a widow, like you think of like movies, like if it's a dad who's a widow and he's raising his daughters or raising his son, he's just struggling. Like he just, he just <laughs> never can get it right. Yeah. And he's just, I'm just trying my best. Like that's always the trope. And if it's a white woman who's single, She's just, I mean, barely making it. She's frazzled. She's yeah. But when you look at black characters in, in our community, like you said, we don't look at single moms as weak. We no. look at single moms as superheroes. Exactly. Right? Like exactly. we don't, as a community, we don't look at single dads as struggling or frazzled or not having it together. We look at single dads and we champion them. We look at single moms and we champion them. When they talk about like, oh, well, Mother's Day is bigger than Father's Day. No, no, no. Black Mother's Day. Like Mother's Day for black people is big. And and Father's Day, I think, is getting its play a little. It's (laughs) getting better. Yeah. I know, like, my family, we make a very conscious effort to, um, to celebrate my uncle's when it comes to like Father's Day and my cousins, like all of my cousins now <laughs> who are who are dads, but everything that we do as black people are always considered these like superpowers. Right. And I think that is why like my some of my white counterparts, when they went to college, they went to college to find their husband. Mm. And that was just the it was like you going to college, you find that's where you find your husband. That's when crazy. I went to school, it was don't worry about boys. I knew one guy. Don't worry about men. One guy the entire time in school that was like, I am here to find a wife. And he Ooh. would and he would bounce into serious relationship to serious relationship. He didn't have a middle ground. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, we are serious now. Yeah. And by the third girlfriend, because that was all the serious relationships he could he could fit into four years, he married that woman. Yeah. I, and I know a few, I know if just a few, not a lot of guys like that. Um, but I don't know as far as like as women, we were just, we went to school very career driven. You know, you're in school to get a degree, to get a great job, right. to, to, to climb the corporate ladder or, you know, be the, be the, the, be black girl magic. She wrote. And, and, you know, of course, some along the way did find their special someone and, and they're still married and, and all that stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it, we didn't do it the same way in my opinion, white girls did like white women did it, yeah. which is like, 
you go to Alabama to find your Alabama husband. You yeah. know, like, you, you know, Alabama State, or not Alabama State, that's a black school, but, you know, University of Alabama. UA, I don't think we, we went in with that mentality because it's so funny. I was, I was home with my family, and my aunt is like, when are you going to, when are you going to bring it, like, when are you going to find, when are you going to bring somebody home? When are we going to be going to your, your, uh, your wedding? You're, you're, you're then have a kid and all stuff. I said, well, when I went to school, Y'all was all about me getting my degree. Y'all right. said, leave them boys alone. Don't worry about them boys. They're gonna be there. They're gonna be there at graduation. So, so where they at now? Right. <laughs> and that's how it was for me. Yeah. Like when I went to school, because out of my two older cousins, I was the first one to go off to college. I'm third generation college, but of my generation, I was the first one to go away. It was go to school, don't worry about them boys, focus on your studies. You know how grandma focus yeah. on your studies. Don't don't get them distracted. Focus on your studies, yeah. right? Don't be distracted by these boys. They're gonna be there. Focus on your studies. Get your degree, and that was that was what I always had. Now I had fun, but I wasn't looking for a relationship, and I damn sure wasn't even thinking husband. And so that's kind of how that was. You ever think about that though? Because I think about like, well, well, you know, we went to HBCU. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, the ratio was like 12 to 1 yeah. for women to men. And the I'm odds like, were not in my favor. What if I was more serious and more intentional while I was there? Because it was never, it's never been that many attractive, educated black women thick. in my space. And they were thick. <laughs> they were thick. They, they, they were, were thicker than cold peanut butter. Come on. Thicker thick. than a third grade pencil. Come on now. <laughs> funny i told people that about like when we went to school and it's so funny people like okay johnny so it's not that serious. i'm like look the first time i was on campus when everybody was at school i said damn every chick here is thick what the hell is everybody eating in north carolina you talking about breaking necks boy i was like i said what are y'all eating i don't eat that in maryland like i don't know are y'all eating cornbread for breakfast like hey. why are y'all so thick one of my unks told me he was like yo you're gonna see the most beautiful girl you ever seen in your life and then two seconds later you're gonna see somebody more beautiful than her <laughs> <laughs> and that was exactly what central was like and it like, was crazy because like that first day of school you you know in high school they live at home so their mom can yeah. dictate what they wear and all that good stuff oh, women yeah. were just naked <laughs> Yeah, and it was, was I was like, yo, where where are y'all clothes at? And so for context, I think was very interesting. When we went to school, we were in the 2000s, mid right. to late. Uh, mid I was mid, mid to late 2000s. That was around the time of like low rise jeans. We were still wearing, you know, the booty shorts, the short skirts. Like, and I mean, we went to school in North Carolina. Like, it's hot. It's hot. It's hot for a long time. Summer's like, over 100 degrees. Like, it's hot all the time. I've never felt heat like that until <laughs> I came to North Carolina. Like, it was wild. So, I mean, I do feel you. I think some people who came to school and had that intention of, you know, finding and meeting their person, a lot of them did. But, like you said, the ratio was in your favor. It, it was. wasn't in mine. You know what I'm saying? Okay. I understand that. But can you at least, well, I don't know, you, you went to D.C. or you lived in D.C., but can you acknowledge that the pool was a little bit more vast than it is in the real world? Oh, absolutely. 
Oh, absolutely. Like life post college, um, it, it gets way thinner. It, it especially and to be in the like to be in DC, Maryland, Virginia, like being that DMV area, you are encountering so many people who are just as high achieving as you mm-hmm. and and have all the accolades but it's still the ratio is so much further in your the the ratio is more in the male favor than it is the female um and for me I was in education so it it just got real thin for me cuz yeah. I mean think about how many male teachers are in a in a school building None. <laughs> I remember uh I worked as a tutor mm-hmm. in an elementary school and there was only first of all there was only two black males in the whole building mm-hmm. <laughs> One of them was a teacher, and one of them he was over like the discipline. Mm-hmm. Oh, but of course. It was that the three of sense. us, uh, and we all were trying to outdress each other every day. Yeah, <laughs> it's only three. <laughs> Not a lot of competition. And, and basically, the black women were going crazy. I think the other two, you know, they didn't like women, so it was all for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you, it's so funny. So when I when I taught, and and I, I worked in education for about eight years in several different capacities. I remember this when we would get a new male teacher, it it was like wildfire. <laughs> it spread in the building. I never, I will never forget one year we had a new uh, uh, black male PE teacher. We had two new ones, and it. I got a text message from like our um, one of our office managers, and she was like. Bitch, have you seen new teacher? <laughs> and I was like, we were cool like that. And I was just like, nah. She was like, girl, you gotta meet them. We got two black male teachers who gonna be PE, who doing PE, and da, da da da. And I was like, okay. Well, she was like, girl, they are swarming around him because there's just in education, there's always more women, right? Let alone the amount of black women who are going to be single. And so when these two black male teachers came. It literally was like, and they single. It, it was. It literally was like birds of prey. It was like if you if you watched like Stranger Things, it was like imagine like a bunch of the birds oh and the with it like flocking around one person. That's what it was. And I had realized I'll never forget we got um we, and we were all cool. We went to like happy hour in D.C. and of course got really drunk. And I remember we were out with him. I was like. You low key a seven out here in the streets, but you're a, you're an eleven in the in, in, the, in school. the school building. Yeah. Like it wasn't that he. I mean, he wasn't a bad looking guy, but I would have never, if I would have saw him on the streets or like, oh, we all hanging out. Oh, this is my homeboy. They're like I would have like, oh, okay. I would have never thought twice. Would have gave him a second look. I would have never given him a second look, but because of the environment he was in. He he was hot. Like he was he was an eleven. And I think that's how it is, especially once you get out of school, because granted the ratio might be imbalanced in school, but it doesn't really feel like that. Like I didn't really feel like, damn, ain't a lot of these niggas out here when we were in school. Right. But once we leave, it really feels like, damn, it's where not did a lot. All the women go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really like, Jesus, where are the men at all? So it, it does change when you leave. And like I said, I think certain areas like you go to Colorado, you go to Denver, Colorado, you're good. It's way more men in Colorado than women. 
And so I would go for work, and I was good. I ain't never had a problem with a dude. But you go to places like a D.C. or, you know, L.A., which is even harder. You know, D.C., L.A., it, it's going to be tough. Or Atlanta. I heard Atlanta is awful for women. Wow. Like, Cause it's, yeah. it's very, very thin. But, yeah. Not only are they not there, but the ones who are there understand that they're a rarity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you're disposable to me. Because <laughs> yeah. there's so many of y'all. It's, yeah. it's so funny. I remember one of my um, one of my friends who was in Atlanta. He literally goes, I was out like at a bar or lounge or whatever. He's like, I remember booking a girl, like getting her number. A few minutes later, her friend was at the bar. And I was like, dang, she kind of cute, too. Talked to the girl and they saw each other, like knew that I had talked to both of them. Mm-hmm. And he said the friend still gave me the number. And it was like they were both understanding of like well it's up to him like who, who might win it out and I remember being like that's wild to me like you really pulling chicks like that I don't even remember you pulling chicks like that in the undergrad like right. that was so crazy but like that's how bad it is you know like life outside of of school and like you said the odds are still in your favor hence the reason why I think it's, it's kind of fucked up that you being stingy <laughs> Not stingy. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the new space, but my space is my space. Okay, <laughs> and I re- I respect your space, King. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I respect your space, King. But dang, what was I about to say? <laughs> I think you you did. <laughs> you get me with the with the toxicity with here. The toxicity. <laughs> with the toxicity, well, look, okay, so. Uh, you, 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 we gotta let them in on the on the joke at least. Okay, uh, okay, so okay, so, so the joke. What is the joke? So Shadi <laughs> says that uh, basically women who overuse the word king are, are low key toxic. We're low key toxic. <laughs> so when she said king, it was just like, oh, here we go. If you use it, if you use it too often, you're definitely being toxic. I think we. That's how. Good like. morning, King. Good morning, King. Yeah, it's like mm, you trying to manipulate me. You trying to, ma- yeah. Know. You're trying to boost my ego, and I don't know. Stroke my ego, and I don't like it. I don't get like your way out of me. So. <laughs> 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 okay, so I- I'm curious. You, like I said earlier, you know, you're a very upstanding, upstanding man of of Christ. You're a really good guy. You're definitely in a, um, you're a big fish in a very shallow pond with a lot of little fish that are probably trying to get to you. Thank you. <laughs> How do you actually navigate that? Because re- there's one scenario I remember, and I was like, damn, Charles is like, you really got it like that? But how do you navigate that? Um. Well, let me address one thing, because I was going to say this before. Yeah. Uh, back in college, I was gorgeous. Um, it looked like somebody drew me. Oh, my God. Um, skinny! <laughs> hairline down to my eyebrows. It was amazing. Uh, you have a healthy hairline. <laughs> it's back there now. It's it's creeping. It it's, is. It's oh creeping like God. TLC. It is not. But, uh, you know, post-divorce, I was like, man, I'm a lot heavier than the last time I was single. <laughs> hairline's far back and I have a child you know and so I'm like my stock 
might be considerably lower because I got, you know, baby mama issues, all this stuff. So my stock may be considerably lower than it was beforehand. How do I go into this new world? Okay. You know, because women are different. You know, <laughs> before everybody wanted to be subdued and they wanted to be a good girl. And so even though, you know, the urges haven't changed, now it's way more accepted. You know, now you have... Megan Stallion, everybody having a hot girl summer. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. and women are. Well, we could. <laughs> women are more liberated than yes. before. It's way more accepted. You mm-hmm. know, like you don't have to worry. Well, you do have to worry, but not as hard about the tropes of having ill rapport. Okay, come on. <laughs> and so no words. I know, right? I went to college. No words. Yes, but um. So now, like, in this new space of navigating, you know, I realize now, you know, I was cute, but I was broke. Oh, my God. <laughs> and now, you know, still handsome, more distinguished. Oh, my goodness. But I have, I have things now. I have assets. I've done things with my life. You do have assets, yes. You know, so it's different. Yes. You know, like, the, the caliber of women I attract is different, mm-hmm. you know. And so navigating through that, it's like, oh, I'm still a catch out here in these streets, even though the last time I was single, it was a different set of skills I had than now. Okay. You know, now a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser, got a little bit more money, could do a little more, you know? And so it's like, oh, it was me discovering I'm still a catch. Yeah. Okay. That's what's up. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and just realizing like, okay, now I'm way more fearless than I used to be. Mm. Cause before I didn't like rejection. (laughs) Okay. And so I'm sitting there wondering, like, okay, am I going to be rejected? Am I not? I was a little bit more timid because I just couldn't take it. Yeah. But I'm like, in this divorce, I lost about everything. So if a woman can take everything and I'm here and all you can say is no and I ain't have you to begin with, we good, you know? Okay. And so going to this space now more fearless, you know, I don't have to lie to women. I don't have to tell promised women a relationship anymore. You know, I could tell them the truth, like, this is where I am. I'm just here for a good time. You know, I'm not looking for anything serious. If you say no, cool. You know, at least you know. Oh, <laughs> you know? so it, like, I would say rejection, because I don't think that's rejection, but that understanding, like you said, you just, you do you you just feel more free about it. It's like, yeah. it is what it is. Like, this is where I'm at. Way more. Wow. I mean, there's a beauty in that, because I think as women over 30 that's what you want to know if you're I, I think it's it's better that if you are sitting here saying i'm not looking for anything serious i'm here to have a good time i'm a good guy and you know we can really just enjoy each other's company but if you are here to say i want kids i want marriage i want a long-term relationship i want to you know be married for 25 years that's just not what i'm looking for right, right now and i think that's okay I think that's beautiful for you to say. And I think it's also, and I mean, part of it, I'm being biased because I know you. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know what I'm saying? Because because I know you, I know that if you really did want to be with somebody and you want to be married, you would be. You would be very intentional. And and I don't think, you, I think you probably would be remarried by now. Like if you, if you really wanted to, right? But sometimes, there are moments when you have guys who say that, like, oh, I'm not where I, I really want to be. And then two weeks later, they got WCW that they on their knees. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, And for me, so I think that's what it is. Like, I know you, so I know 
I'm not going to see you in two weeks. Talking about something, this is the love of my life. I'm about to get married. Because I'm like, this, <laughs> this, nigga. this nigga just lied to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you're not going to be someone who says that and ends up being in a relationship in two weeks. Whereas I think sometimes there are guys who say that because they are waiting for the person they really want to be with to get themselves together. Or they do have a girlfriend on the side. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with you saying that. Right. Because I honestly know you genuinely mean that. Genuinely. Because at one time I did think like the right woman would change my mind. Mm. But, you know, as I said before, <laughs> I attract amazing women. You do. <laughs> and so I realized quickly like, oh, it's me. It's definitely me. Oh, uh, my God. <laughs> this, this is just where I am. No matter how great you are, like I, I still need to heal. Yeah, and there's still an amount of trauma that comes with being in a relationship or, you know, just because of my past. Yeah. And so until I heal from that, you know, then I just kind of have to take my time, you know. And so certain things that emotionally I just can't go. Yeah. Like there's a hard stop. So speaking of healing. Yes. They say guys don't heal, they hoe. Ooh. That's what I heard. That's just what Ooh. I heard. That's just what I heard. <laughs> Do you, if, if you don't mind us going there, as you are healing, as a man, have you been hoeing too? Like, they say if you don't, guys, they always say guys don't heal, they hoe. So guys, and the idea of that is, there was this really cute, like, meme I saw, which was like, when men and women break up, mm-hmm. it's like, women will, you know, they'll cry, they'll grieve, they'll blame themselves, they'll go through that, and then they slowly find themselves, and then they put themselves out there, where it's like, men will be like, fuck it, like, they don't grieve. They go out, they hoe, they 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 wild out, they, they experience, and then they slowly realize, like, oh my God, this happened. Then they start to go through those phases of, like, realization, grieving, and, and understand that loss. So it's like we move on two different spectrums, but it's like guys don't heal, they hoe. Like they hoe first when they get hurt. When you went through that moment, you know, as you said, like you're healing, like, did you hoe? Like, did you go through your hoe phase? Yes. Let me explain though. Okay. <laughs> yes, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, most definitely. But I feel like because I was a husband, there was a certain level of intimacy that, you know, I was accustomed to. Mm-hmm. Not even physically, but in a, in a sense of like just sharing your life with somebody and having somebody always there. And so now that that backfired, like I realized as a husband, there's a there's definitely a social responsibility that comes with that intimacy. And there's a relationship responsibility that comes with that because you're a leader. Yeah. You know, and so those were the things where I was like, I don't want no parts of that anymore. You know, but I still want to feel that intimacy because that's what I was accustomed to. So what is the quickest way to get that intimacy and that reassurance? Because I was broke down in a lot of ways, you know? So, like, what's the quickest way to feel that intimacy without the responsibility? Hoeing. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there, you know, craving that and many a women. Many. But, uh... Wow. I'll be honest. I... That's a very interesting breakdown of it. I know you didn't see the question going this way, but that's why you have me here. <laughs> I know. No, I mean, I, I love it. I, I, I just, wow. 
I didn't think of it that way. I didn't think of it that way. And so when they say men don't heal their hoes, like it's really, you know, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> like I went through my phase, you know, but it was really like when I re- realized that the physical part, I really wasn't wanting like in and of itself. <laughs> I really was just craving intimacy. That kind of helped me like get out of it and change my mind about it. The whole thing. So the intimacy that the intimacy aspect is what released you of your hoisms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For now. <laughs> I'm taking side chick applications. Y'all can come through yes, the Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's about that time. Instagram, Sax Profit. Uh, oh. <laughs> S-A-X-P-R-O-P-H-E-T. <laughs> Just let me know. Uh, That's very... If you think my voice sounds good, you should see me. Uh, I know. <laughs> look, look, ladies, his hairline is intact. It's crisp. It's very crisp. <laughs> Charles is a very clean brother. <laughs> Always been a clean Yo. brother. He's put together. That, but no, it. I did. I'll be honest. You threw me because I didn't know that that's where you were gonna go with it. But it's so. It's a very like aha kind of moment because I'm like, damn. Because that. I mean, my thing is, if I was married, mm-hmm. whether it's for a year or ten years. Like you said, you're used to having that person there. And I'm thinking in the physical of just like, you got DOD. You know, you got dig on that. You got POD, however you, like, I don't know the male equivalent. But, like, you have someone who's always there, who you hope always desires you, and you guys are intimate. Y'all can have sex. Y'all can be intimate. You can have these moments um, that you share. And when that's done and gone, right, like, outside of the fact that, you know, obviously, I'm never, I've never been married, so I, I guess through divorce, it's like that slowly starts to fade. But it's like once you're divorced and it's done, it's like you have to also pivot into like, how do I navigate this space when I'm used to like technically we dated, we were together, yeah. we were monogamous for so long, we were married, and you know, you you go through all of that, and now it's like brand new. So it's funny. So even earlier in the season. I had Gabrielle on and she talked about like she was with her husband for over a decade. Mm. That was the only, like that was one of the main people she's been with. So she's like the first time she had sex outside of, you know, after she was divorced outside of that, she was like, it was different. She's like, I had only seen and been with one. one type guy, of, yeah. I was like, yeah, girl, there's a lot of dicks out there. Like <laughs> it's a lot of them, a whole array of them. And I say that in jest with her, right? But I also think of it as, like, that is a big thing. Like, if you were technically used to one person for so long, to not have that and then have to conform to social and sexual norms now or, or like you said, trying to find that intimacy with people you technically may not even really like, that's got to be, to me, I would think that would be scary. I mean, okay. There's a couple other things that play into it, too. Okay. Uh, I just thought of it as you were speaking. Uh, so, also, you know, me being as straight-laced as I am, you know, especially in my 20s, you know, when I hit the divorce piece, I was like, yo, whoever I was before mm-hmm. didn't work for this. Mm. And so, I think it hurt me so bad that I was questioning everything, you know. 
And so I was like, if I was being sexually, you know, conservative before, you know. You better let that freak flag fly. Yeah. <laughs> no. Say that three times fast. Yes. But, uh, <laughs> but Apparently got it out the first time. Lord. But, uh, but yeah, if I was being sexually conservative before, I was doing so for my wife. Mm. And so now that the wife is gone, there's really no big motivation for me to conserve myself, you know. So I was just like, let me do what I can, you know. Mm-hmm. And the last sexual experience I have is with a person I don't really like anymore. So I don't want to so equate then- <laughs> sex to them. Let me be with enough people that I forget what she even feels like. Oh, what? Hurt is real, guys. What? <laughs> <laughs> Talk about my last sexual experience being with her, and I didn't want that, so <laughs> had to help. You didn't have to. Listen, I think there's nothing wrong. Like the whole point of this is to have this these interesting conversations, right? Like you, I never want to have a one-sided story of anything, right? So, season one, I had friends who were single moms. Mm-hmm. And talking about dating and relationships and intimacy. And also has single dad, you know, who's like, yeah, no, we we feel the same way. Like there's we all have significantly more in common than we do that's not. And I think that was another reason why I was like, yeah, come on, let's do it. Let's let's record today because I've had friends on who are divorced women and they're dating life and how that goes but it is great to hear from a man who's divorced who has kids so like y'all are both all of y'all literally on the same level but to also hear this this different side of it because like I said especially especially being over 30 being a divorced man and a kid and with a kid or kids uh, doesn't technically disqualify you. Now, in my 20s, yeah. Like, in my 20s, hell no. I was like, I'm not dating nobody with a kid. Like, a kid, no. Divorce, hell no. That, that, but that's me. But that just wasn't, I, was, I just was not going to do that. And so, but over 30, a kid kind of just comes with it. Right. Like, I, I think. That's how a lot of women view it, too. Yeah, like, to be honest, to find, as I like to say, platinum penis. Yes. And, and for those who may not have heard episode two, Platinum Penis is, you know, a, a man who has a degree, no kids, no divorce. Like, never been married, no divorce. That's such a rarity. Like, that is a, it is like Aladdin diamond in the rough. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying it in a rude way, but I'm saying it like life happens. And at 30, it, it's very common to find men and women who have kids, men and women who've been married and divorced right. and working on you know, whatever, working on themselves. So I don't fault. But I, I also think it's very, I think it's necessary to hear these stories because I think as women, we just assume. We assume like, oh, well, you know, if you're a divorced man, you're good. You can be out here just getting whoever you want and being with whoever you want. It's like, nah, like men are, like you said, you're healing. You're right. putting yourself and you want to be in a certain space. You... Your story is like, I always dated to find, like, I guess your wife. And now you're like, I'm dating to just enjoy myself. Do you feel like you're kind of doing, 
Do you think you're living your 30s the way you should have been living your 20s? I do. Okay. Because <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I married my ex because she was the best of what I had from at that moment. Mm. And I didn't have a lot of experiences to draw from, you know. Okay. And so now, you know, I'm getting those experiences. Like I'm dating more, you know, I'm doing other stuff more. And um You're dating a hell of a lot more than I am. We in the uh, same city. <laughs> but uh <laughs> but I don't know well, I I will say there was a young man that I worked with that I, I do encourage him to get out there and not take life so seriously because he's 22. Ooh. How, what kind of a good husband are you going to be at 22 years old? You know, <laughs> but um, I'm just like, man, like I wish I wasn't as I wish I wasn't so serious in my 20s. Mm. Maybe not into the degree I am now, yeah. but, you know, you were. I remember like I was just like Charles. He He's a very it's a very serious very christian man he's a good man like it's a good good man like you were very i wouldn't say serious but like i felt like you knew what you like you were very like straight laced like you you had your path you knew what it was nobody was really gonna you know steer you on the straight and narrow like you were very like this is who i am and i'm comfortable in who i am and that's kind of how i always looked at it's pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I think a certain amount of traumas just begin to challenge that, mm-hmm. challenge that picture. And so it was like, I had to like, because what's not tested can never be approved. Oh, come on now. That's a word. Tweet that. Um, heard, uh, <laughs> mention me, sex prophet. Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> and so when you start to have certain pillars of yourself that you believed all your life start to get challenged mm-hmm. and tested, then you have to realize who who are you really, you know, mm. outside of this context that might have been comfortable? You know, who are you now here? You know, so that was something that I'm still figuring out, mm-hmm. you know, because I've been a certain way for like 30 years. Mm. And so now that I've crossed over the, you know, the threshold of 30. Yes. And now I have a child. Now I am divorced. You know, what does this version of Charles look like, you know? What does this version of ministry looks like? What does this version of just me being a Christian looks like? You know, because it was like I never questioned God in this time. But there was times where I was just like, I don't want to do what I was doing. And only God can stop me, you know. And so, you know, I thank God for being God. Yes. And stopping me a couple of times. You know, let let me know about myself. Uh, Because I had to I had to get to a place where I'm like, okay. Is this real or if it's not? Because this worked up to this point and now it's not. So let me go ahead. God, if you're real, you go ahead and let me know. But I'm going to do me. Right. <laughs> so I'm going to do this on the side. But holler at me. At least text me let me know. Like, you know? I'm tripping. It's a very, that's a very real statement. Because. You know, we are in a very interesting space nowadays and just really just the zeitgeist of Christianity and faith and and a lot of us, what we believed in as kids are, are being tested and questioned or we're making our idea of religion and faith 
a little, it may look different from what it did as what we were when we were kids. I think the beauty in it is that you're conscious of it and we're all just naturally just trying to be better. Yeah. You know, we're trying to find our better. And I think there's nothing wrong with the fact that as someone who's 30, you're making that discovery and, and having the space to do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Cause, uh, they pretty much scared you. Like, if you do anything, you're going to hell. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, I don't, I don't want to go to hell. He's going to come back any moment now. Right. You know? But it's like certain things you got to understand why you're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know? And sometimes just reading, this is wrong, ain't enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Because there's always that why. Right. And that's our generation. That's millennials. We're the generation of why. Yeah. So a lot of things about the modern church have been deconstructed. Because of those questions. Yeah. And we just have access to the knowledge, right? Like, we have more access to context. Yeah. And and like you said, just the questioning. Because there was a lot of me, specifically, you know, as I moved and and we hung out more and all this stuff, I'm like, I don't get why Charles would want to be out here in these streets. Like, the streets are trash. Like, why hope? Like, it's. (laughs) There's so many great girls. He can find a great girl and, and do all this over. Like, it, it, the first experience might not be the second, all this stuff. But then it was like, just hearing, not only just in this conversation, but other conversations we had, I'm like, I get it. Because when you've only kind of lived in this one pathway and that didn't work, you then have to sit here and say, like, well, I can't keep doing the same thing. What do they say? Like, uh, you know, doing the same thing and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. You're not insane. So it's like now you are getting to that point of discovery where most of us did that probably in college, you know, and and all that. It now makes sense because I'm like, well, if he didn't do that in college, of course now this is the time that that's going to happen. I have money to do it. Yeah, but he got money to pay him off. Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> you better not tell nobody but God. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, look, well, that leads into my last question, which is what advice would your 30-something-year-old self give 20-something-year-old Charles? Oh, man, as, as it pertains to dating and stuff. It, it could be a little bit of anything. But, oh. like, what advice, if you could, if you're sitting – that young man down with his bow tie and sweater on. <laughs> oh. And his shoe, his his soft or hard bottom shoe. Depends. What would you tell him? Because I was wearing the chucks back then too. You did, yeah, you did, you did rock the chucks. But like, what would you if he's sitting there? What would you um, tell him? I would tell him that you're a lot stronger than you think. Because hmm. I think that is like paramount. I think I always doubted my strength in certain situations, but time and time again, I've proven myself to be resilient. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so just knowing that and also like your don't let other people's version of what life is supposed to be like influence what your vision of success will be. You know, just take the time to know yourself take the time to really like love yourself you know before even thinking about bringing other people in you know because i was around people that women was currency mm-hmm. you know i'm about to get real deep yeah, but we're here as a man 
who wasn't conventionally masculine. Like I like to sing and dance. I got soft hands. You know, <laughs> feel my hands. Feel my hands right now. Okay. But uh, you know, like plow the field. I guess. Yeah. Not a hard labor man. <laughs> so uh, just dealing with that, like there was a lot of things that I had a hang up on as far as masculinity. And women was really the only thing that, like, me and other guys could, like, vibe on, (laughs) you know? And so Mm -hmm. I would really, like, run to that, (laughs) you know, just to be like, oh, yeah, I backed her, whatever the case may be. And so just knowing myself and being okay with that. Like, I started, I'm a firefighter by profession. Yeah. Hands still soft. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know? We, We all have our firefighter, you know, fantasies. So... Like that pole, you know. Being able to get through that training and and work that job and let me know, like, oh, you're not soft, you know, like you're still a man. You've mm. always been a, you've always been what you are. Mm. You know, you've always been strong. You've always been resilient. So don't question that, you know. Wow. I don't know. That's a really interesting. It's a very interesting thing to to tell your younger self. Huh. <laughs> Not pause. No, I What just, were you expecting? I, I wasn't expecting. There were seven You need days. to go out here and get these holes. <laughs> right. I thought the message would have been like, look, <laughs> fuck bitches, get money. <laughs> that too. Something cliche. But... That's very, it, it's, it's, again, it's part of the, like, what I see in, in what your everyday walk is, right? Like, I would have never thought that would have been, that would have been um, a conversation or advice you would give your younger self. But what I see in you or how I see you is always going to be different from how we see ourselves, right. you know? So, it, it's more interesting in a way of, like, wow, like, that's, that's really deep. I hadn't heard. I really haven't heard anybody, um, any of my guests, you know, specifically my male guests. I don't think I've heard any of them say anything like that. So I'm about to get an Emmy, yo. I love it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna podcast him for that. Get a potty award. <laughs> <laughs> we going to the potties. Oh my god! Look, I appreciate you so much, Charles. Not only for being here. But for being here in like three hours, like from a conversation of us on the phone to to actually being down to do this. Um, how can people you you mentioned it a little bit, but how can people find you on social media or follow you to see how how handsome you are and hear your songs and your your melodies? And I'm gonna keep mentioning it. Uh, <laughs> you can follow me on Facebook at my full name, Charles W. McMurray the second. Uh you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Sax Prophet. That's S A X P R O. S E X. It's A P H E T. I'm still a man of God. I play saxophone. Um, <laughs> I also host a monthly event called The Sound. Uh, might as well pub it while I'm here. Yeah. Uh, it is The Sound CLT on Facebook as well as Instagram. And I have people over the Facebook now that is making it uh, amazing, making the whole social media amazing. You can see inserts from that event is every last Friday of the month. And so if you want information, just go to the pages, the sound CLT on Facebook and Instagram. 
Absolutely. I love it. And of course, I will put all of this information in the description for the show. So make sure you click, you follow, you show up. I haven't been because literally every week you have it. I'm like, I am out of town. <laughs> like I've literally She plans this on purpose. I have legitimately been out of town, which is so awful. I feel bad. But I have supported you in other ways. But yes, I will have the information in the show description. So make sure you guys not only follow um, the sax sax prophet. <laughs> I do not want people being like, he's a sex prophet. Yo, I'm I like follow for sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what sex profit gonna get you, but not only follow Charles, but you can also follow the show, and that's on Instagram at dating over the number thirty sucks, and on Twitter dating over the number thirty s u x. Of course, all this is in the description. Charles, thank you so much for hanging out with me. My pleasure. And doing Thanks my for the invitation. I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you subscribe, share it, tell somebody, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their friend. Um, but yeah, we have more episodes coming. Season two is still happening. It's still more episodes, still more fun conversations. But I appreciate it. We just had libations and conversations about situations with my friend Charles. Thank you guys so much. Y'all have a good one. So let's take a toast. Cheers to the freaking weekend. No, what are we toasting to? Oh, man. <sighs> the life. Like we made it this far. I know with a new with the new pandemic. Lord have mercy. <laughs> with the new pandemic coming, but we made it this far. That's good. That's really good. What are you drinking again? Oh, that's a good question. Two trees bourbon. Two trees. I'm drinking vodka. Back on my vodka. Oh. Yeah. All right, all right.